Welcome to the Hunt League Podcast, where we share hunting stories from the field that help pave the way for others to follow. It is a perfect broadside. I'm debating, like, I'm like, I can shoot a devil lung right now. I can shoot a heart because I know exactly how far away he is. This is your host, Jared Newman. Let's get started. All right. Welcome to the Hunt League Podcast. Today, I am sitting with Taylor Hicks, uh, a friend of mine from Colorado. We've known each other for probably about 10 years now. Um, Taylor, you are an avid elk hunter and you have quite the story from this year. Um, I'm like super pumped to sit down with you today, go through your story. There's a lot of things that you did new and different this year other than just harvesting and getting a bull, but, uh, give us a little bit of like a, a who you are, give us your hunting Mm. testimony, if you will, in the, in in a couple minutes. And then we're going to dive straight into your 2022 elk hunt. Awesome. Awesome. So yes, my name is Taylor Hicks here. Uh, I've been hunting elk for about eight years now. Uh, started off hunting uh, waterfowl and just birds, right? Uh, growing up at age seven, went out to Goose Ranch with my dad, uh, found a crazy passion for these, uh, just for hunting in general. I became more passionate than my dad, my grandfather. Uh, just drove me wild to go hunting. You know, it just was, it was a very fun thing for me. And I just found this peace and, uh, this time alone, uh, to myself, um, grew up not having anybody that I knew that was my age. That was a hunter. You know, I ended up asking a bunch of people like, Hey, do you hunt kind of thing? <laughs> no, no, I don't hunt. Does your dad hunt? No, they don't hunt. And I just like forever, like watch my dad. He grew you know, he grew up with these buddies who hunted and they were hunters. And I'm like, man, is it just the generation or like do sure. hunting? Ending, I think there's a part know? of it. <laughs> I think that kind of could have been, you know? And, um, so ended up, uh, you know, really wanting that to happen. Uh, just kept my passion for hunting, got married, would just go out uh, duck hunting by myself, you know, would go down to Pueblo reservoir and just pop a bunch of ducks by myself. Um, ended up purchasing a bow off the, off, offline just for some reason, to be honest. And, um, it was a diamond bow. It was a used bow. Took it to uh, Bass Pro, I think, to get tuned up. And uh, you know, it was it was cool. I like to shoot it. Um, I don't think I really fully had in mind that I was actually going to go out on an elk hunt with it. I just wanted to shoot. It, you know, yeah. it was just fun. Um, and then I and then I my wife and I we joined this uh, house church, which has been incredible. Um, but I met this guy named Wade Carter there. I talked to Wade Carter about hunting. I would try to get all these guys to go hunting with me. We actually ended up going on a, uh, um, a uh, like men's retreat out and in, just into the wilderness somewhere. Yeah. We just went camping and we brought our shotguns. We were doing clay pigeons and these army guys that were there. Uh, just I met them for the first time and uh, the few house churches before. Anyways, we're shooting clay pigeons. I was whooping everybody's butt. It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was a good time. day. Yes. I went out in the woods, shot me a, a, a pine squirrel, and we went, ended up eating it. A lot of the guys were super grossed out about it, but Wade Carter was like, dude, that is awesome. Like, let me get some of that, you know? And so him and I, we started talking, coming up with a good game plan. Archery season was only season that he could actually pull off with the type of work that he does. He owns a irrigation business. So that's like right in between uh, like main startup season and like end of that. Before the winter freeze and all that stuff where he's busy again. So anyways, we started, uh, we, we ended up saying, okay, well, let's do a hunt together. We're going to do an elk hunt. I always wanted to go elk hunting and do my own elk hunting. 
already had a bow and uh, he just needed to go buy a bow. And so that's what happened. We ended up doing that. We uh, got a class with Jay Houston. He put us up at this uh, over-the-counter unit, and uh, and that was Jay Houston, a Colorado guy. Like uh, when you say that, you yeah. expect everybody to know who Jay right, Houston is. Right. Who, yeah. Who's Jay Houston? <laughs> uh, I think Jay Houston is like an outfitter. Okay, th- he's uh, he's done a few professional hunts, like on TV. Um, he's hunted for a very long time. He knows what he's doing, and so he wrote a book and he's developed a course for people to take. Um, and essentially it gives you a map and points on the map of where to go and where to hunt okay. over the counter units, at least from my knowledge in Colorado. Yeah. Um, and this was eight years ago. So okay. I, I, it was very small chapter, but put us up on this area. Uh, Wade and I went hunting, uh, that, that year. And, uh, we ended up actually getting into some elk. It was okay. <laughs> absolutely like mind blowing. Uh, and actually for us, it didn't feel like it was mind-blowing because it was our first time like, yeah so you don't team, realize right? like how unusual that may have been or because yeah. but you had some good advice there was some good input there that kind of helped put you on some elk early on in your as you set out to do this exactly so we we did read a few things his book was mostly on uh like rifle hunting and like, sure. there was like he actually talked in the book about like not calling too much kind of stuff like that yeah you know and um and so that that was uh that was that was uh, very uh, pivotal because I, I got to actually take a shot on a herd bull that year. I uh, completely missed the bull. I went right underneath him, and it, it was just a coincidence. Was that discouraging, or did that fuel your passion? Uh, I would say it fueled my passion. Obviously, it was discouraging in the moment, um, you know, missing an animal. Um, you know, I, I didn't even range him, right? I didn't know how far away he was. My range finder was beneath my bo- binoculars in my Walmart. Uh, like range finder case kind of thing, you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't even a bino harness. Yeah. It was just this thing that would made a lot of noise, but anyways, so I think right there that really fueled that, that, that helped with fueling the passion there, you know, sure. also just being out in the woods with people and a, like a, a cool yeah, guy, like you, you finally, finally you finally found a tribe to go hunt with and yes. which is yeah. so uh, when you do some big game, especially elk hunting, yeah. Like it's so intimidating. Like if you get an elk on the ground, right? You need a tribe. Yeah, <laughs> it's dude. like you feel the necessity for having people there with you to yeah. process and manage and and work with that animal. So which, that's which, uh that that's years ago. That's yeah. about eight years ago. Yeah, you continued hunting with Wade for a couple of years. Yep, yep. We we continued hunting for a few years. Um, we ended up. I I, uh, I met a guy when I was shooting my bow in my backyard. He's I think he's seventy three this year. It might even be seventy four. And this guy's still archery elk hunting, and he's just—he's a, a legend, man. And his name is Daniel Batchelder, and um, I thought he was going coming to tell me to stop shooting my bow uh, towards his yard, you know, <laughs> towards the property. Uh, he, but instead, he was like, "Man, I, that's a sweet bow. Let me see that." And it was just this like diamond bow, you know. But he's super genuine, and he knows all about this stuff, and you know, and, and just for some of you guys, a diamond bow is a good bow, but it's, it, it's on the lower scale of bows, you know, sure. more and of an entry level bow, entry level bow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he, he starts telling me about his, uh, you know, his experiences and he's killed, uh, X amount of elk within the X amount of years. And I'm like calculating it up in my head. I'm like, dude, you've killed an elk every year for the last 14 years. <laughs> and he's like, well, I guess if you say it like that, yeah. And, and then actually he killed multiple elk within those 
years as well. Like not like two per year kind of thing. So his guy is like amazing. I'm like, well, tell me how you did this because uh, this was probably three years after our first year hunting because year after was not successful. Like we didn't see elk. It was just completely different than our first year. I think God was like trying to like create a friendship and a bond between me, Wade and Daniel and just like something there's something there yeah he wanted us to know for us to have like it's, such it's, an incredible it started experience. with a little bit of a spark <laughs> yeah i mean it was yeah. it was crazy and you I wandered the wilderness it. for a while yeah we want we literally just walking around and stumbling upon elk it was just a miracle of god i feel like and um so so third year i meet this guy named daniel batchelder he's that 73 year old teaches me how to tree stand hunt okay okay so he's a successful elk hunter, but it definitely yes. maybe more of a unique method. I think most people, when they think of hunting elk in Colorado during the rut with their bow, they're thinking of calling and you know bugling and rut fest, and you're, it's spot and stock, that kind of thing. Right. The idea of sitting in a tree stand might be a little bit more foreign. Yeah. I was talking to a guide a couple years ago, and yeah. he was like, you know, we offer tree stand hunts and we offer spot and stock hunts, mm-hmm. you know, where, where we call. Wow. He's like, guess, guess my percent success on this versus this. You know, I was like, I, I didn't really know where to guess. He's like, right. we have over 80% success on our tree stand hunts. Wow. And, uh, wow. and he goes, but guess, guess the second side of this. And he's like, this is the business side. When people come and do a tree stand hunt with us, yeah. they rarely ever come back. Huh. When people come oh. and do a calling where, where we're doing, we're on the ground, we're hoofing it and yeah. we're, we're he's like our success rate goes back in line with the state we're 10 to 15 percent wow because it's hard yeah yeah and, he, right. and he said uh he said but guess what our return rate is you know and it's like a 70 percent of wow. those people come back and wow. it's like they love the experience oh, it's like yeah. such a bizarre <laughs> it is, that it's is like crazy. The, is the success yeah. rate yeah, increased yeah, yeah. it was like the, wow. the return rate it was like yeah, yeah i mean wow it's was, it was fascinating right. but i guess there was a yeah. lot of, Dan had experienced a ton of success yeah. as a tree stand hunter right, in Colorado right. on public land. We're not talking mm-hmm. about private land. Right. This is over the counter units mostly. Over the counter. Yeah. Year yeah. after year after year. Exactly. The guy would sit in a stand and kill elk. Mm-hmm. He was successful. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you, you kind of learned and were mentored by this, by a neighbor, Dan. Yeah. yeah. Neighbor Dan. He took us out. Uh, he took me out. Um, went with him. I, when I got to his camp, it was like second week. And, uh, they have already killed four bulls. Um, and I was there with a, with a guy that I just met. He was more my age. And, uh, you know, Dan was just like, man, if I had your legs, I would go up there. And he pointed way up this mountain and Josiah and I looked at each other like, wow, like, are you serious? You know, like, <laughs> okay, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, we got to, I guess, put on I guess he's telling pants, us to go you know? up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what we did, man. We strapped on our boots, and we went up there, and uh, we set up our tents, and we started calling, and nothing came. And then I was just calling into a valley, and then all of a sudden, uh, I see this big, you know, looks like it was a 5x5, five five, decent 5x5 five five pop out of the wilderness, and it had an arrow in it. And I didn't realize that Josiah shot that animal after I called into this valley a few times and it just was walking. And so that was like my first experience, like seeing it animal harvested that was yeah incredible bugling uh like i mean i think like the passion i had the first few years before that was was big but man like this really set me up for like a lifetime of yeah i'm gonna hunt elk. and this is the fifth know? elk of that elk camp yeah. that they've taken yes yeah yes. so if That's you're impressive. out there to just in an over-the-counter hunt, unit exactly exactly which is crazy so 
but this guy, granted, he's retired. And he's able to scout like all the time. Yeah. And so he knows where these elk are going. He's patterned. You know, many times people don't have that opportunity. Sure. So I think you got to be very strategic when you're tree stand hunting. Yeah. And he taught us all about it, but we just didn't have enough time. Okay. So, cool. Keep fast forwarding. Like, okay. let, let's yeah. tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from that point there, I went out with him, uh, I think it was a year or two later. I think it was actually just the next year. Um, and we actually drew some points on that unit. I had one point, I think, and we drew it. And um, I ended up harvesting a spike bull that year. And this was actually in... Out of a stand? No, this actually, no. Like actually, uh, Tyler, uh, one of the guys that was with us on this hunt, he harvested a three by three bull from a tree stand. And then um, it was the last day. And then I ended up harvesting a uh, spike bull. Okay. From uh, from the ground. So so you got your first taste of success, collar shooter scenario. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what year was this for you? This was 2000. I don't know what year this was. But is this 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 three or four years? How many years into hunting are you? It was 2017 because I have a, a plaque on my wall. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. He was in velvet still, and I got the velvet all oh, juiced very up cool. there. The full head knot. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It was my. But it was my first a big game success, and that was with a bow, and uh, it was just incredible. It was very absolutely uh, very good experience. So, absolutely. Okay. Yep. How many more years did you stay yeah. doing tree stand hunting? Did you? Yes. yes. What's the evolution? Yeah. Well, so from that point there, we stopped, I stopped hunting with Dan and we started trying to do that on our own in our own camp. And, uh, we bought a bunch of tree stands, wasted a crazy amount of money doing it. And then a lot of time setting them up and, uh, ended up actually ha- one year we ended up having like a lot of bulls come into our stands and, uh, uh, I actually, w- one year, uh, I got out there and I was just getting antsy in the dang tree stand. I always do. And I, I went down off the ground and, uh, all of a sudden once I'm on the ground, this bull comes into us and he's just hopping along. He's committed. He's, we're calling cause we're, we have these tree stands set up in a, in a manner of like three. And, uh, so we're all around each other. So when we're calling, we sound like a herd. Okay. And so this, and we had, we had decoy set up as well. And this, uh, elk he was a really nice six by six came running in and I had him at 13 yards, but this was the same year I shot my, uh, my, Oh, actually this was the same year. This is the same year, same year I shot my, my spike elk, which was a bull. And I could only shoot a cow in that unit. So oh. I came, I came, yeah. <laughs> and of course you have a good six by six. Come Dude, I had a six by six at Classic 13 elk. yards away from me. Yeah. It was incredible. And I actually shot an arrow cause I went full draw. I'm like, why am I full draw? And I like shot an arrow right into the dirt in front of it. And I just like, you know, it's just one of those things. Unbelievable. Happens. So funny. But anyway, so from that point there, uh, Wade and I, honestly, we ended up getting in like a disagreement at, at one point we uh, didn't hunt one year. And then uh, next year we decided to go on a hunt to Wisconsin. We uh, recalibrated our our friendship and just like our desire to hunt elk together again. And uh, we're just like, dude, like let's do it. But I I made some terms and conditions for this. I was like, dude, I'm not going back to the same unit, and I'm not going to hunt at a tree stand. Like I can't sit in the tree stand for freaking days on end. I can't do that. (laughs) That's not what I'm doing. Like you said, 75% or whatever will come back for the ground hunt, the spot and stock kind of stuff, right? But the tree stand hunting, for me, it's just not as fun. You know, I got to be on the ground. I got to be boots moving. So ended up taking a Corey Jacobson 101 class, right? Elk 101 class. 
And uh, that was super big for us. And uh, we ended up deciding to go into the woods with uh, uh, our backpacks on We uh, and uh, eight days of food in there. And we ended up purchasing a bunch of stuff again, right? For elk hunting. <laughs> yeah. So Change, changing stuff. your status yeah. from a tree stand hunter to <laughs> yeah. a backpack hunter. Yeah. Honestly, it feels more authentic to you. Like, I feel like I'm like, I'm like actually a hunter, right? You know, but like <laughs> hunting out of a tree stand, I feel like I'm like in, I should be in Nebraska or something. I don't know. But, uh, anyways, so we, we changed that up, you know, and, uh, it was hard, man. I mean, we got in there and we had so much weight, at least, I don't know, I think 60 to 70 pounds the first yeah. few days with all the food and water and stuff. And we're just walking to try to find elk, you know, the area we were hunting, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't spot them. You couldn't glass. Uh, but man, we got into some elk. We caught, we were starting to calling just like Corey Jacobson says, uh, found some elk and, uh, we ended up having quite a few encounters and that year we got super, super close. Um, Wade actually ended up shooting, shooting an elk, uh, from what we know, uh, the last, the second to last day of the hunt, we were not there for that. It was more of a different style. We just ran in there and elk came to us, um, kind of silent calling stuff, yeah. you know? Um, and, uh, anyways, so that, that right there. Well, you us, said he got a shot. He got a shot. Okay. Yeah. I can't just yeah, stop you, there. Yeah. Right? You got, you can't, you <laughs> yeah, okay. the story. Did he harvest? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Uh, no, we did not harvest. We, it was unfortunate. We, we went looking, we went into town after that. We were super excited. Like we were going to get a hotel. All the hotels were closed. The bars were even closed. Honestly, we were like, what is going on? Like we feel a like God's blessing that we shot an elk, but like now we're not like, it would just felt weird. Right. So we yeah. went out and we, we like, okay, we'll camp on the ground again. So we camped on the ground and, uh, you know, it was like ended up freezing that night and we're like, oh, okay, whatever. It's gonna, you know, the yeah. elk will be fine in the morning. It'll preserve we were the like, meat. Yeah. Preserve the meat. hundred percent confident. Yeah. We were literally a hundred percent confident. Wade's like, we, you know, we did some, re- Wade had time to shoot. He told us the story. He, he was, He's full draw. The elk was staring at. He had a, a predator decoy on. Yeah, and um, which is just a decoy. Yeah, the ultimate predator stalker ultimate decoy. Predator, it's stalker got a nice decoy. hole right yeah. in front where yeah, your yeah. arrow kind of comes between. Exactly. So but that the bull's attention bull is looking right just at you. Looking at a cow, right? Yeah. It, 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 that's that's the thing with these predator decoys too, though, is they'll look at you, kind of thing, um, and a lot of times it's going to be a frontal shot. Okay. It's a little so, scary. It's not a little a, scary. It's less than ideal. Yes. Less than ideal. But Wade said he was probably, he was 25 yards. We ranged it the next day of where he was standing. He was, he was accurate with that. And we did find no blood whatsoever. Uh, we did some grid searches. Uh, the, the, the tracks looked like they were, uh, you know, the animal was definitely spooked. He went up the hill and then he started going down the hill um, but then we lost him at the river, you know, yeah. and, uh, we, Aaron Peterman, uh, one of the guys that we go hunting with every year now as well. Uh, he went back the next weekend just to go looking and he did a bunch of searching all day and he could not find anything. So we definitely tried hard to find him and, uh, it was very discouraging. Wade was very discouraged. Uh, when you guys hear part a, you're going to hear more about that. And Wade has, uh, shot a few bulls and not harvested so, okay. Okay. Yeah. Which is devastating. I, I've yes. been a part of hunts where shots have been fired. You feel confident about the hit. I mean, one of my buddies, guy I hunt with every year, had two arrows in an elk. Yeah. One that went, you know, a quartering away shot went all the way through the vitals into the opposite oh, front wow. shoulder. 
broke the arrow off, you know, where there's maybe six inches of arrow that oh, broke man. off. So you know the whole arrow's in the body wow, cavity wow, of the wow, elk. Wow. And we never found the bull. Oh, man. And it's like, yeah. and we tracked blood for over a mile. Yeah. And it's like, how, they're so tough. Yeah. I mean, elk are tough animals. It's right. incredible how tough they are. Right. Um, yeah. But let's, let's talk about, okay, so that was your experience last year. Yeah. That was your 2021. 2021. We're going into 2022. Yep. Uh, you started as a tree stand hunter. You left the stand in order to move to a more spot and stock calling mm. on the ground. You're on foot. Mm. So you're playing the wind, mm. trying to get in either eyesight of, of elk so you can, you can spot them on a ridge or – you're trying to get them to call and respond to you, come in, yeah. all those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've changed your tactics. Mm. What's something that you learned mm. from last year that you guys implemented this year? And how did your mm. game plan change from last year to this year? Okay, good question. Yeah, so I think uh, what we learned from last year is uh, we definitely enjoyed hunting off the ground. At least I did for sure. Uh, yeah. We got into elk. You, it's more strategic. You have to play a uh, win game like you were saying just a second ago. Um, and so that's what we did. We, we also got into elk. Like we didn't, weren't waiting for the elk to come to us. We were going to try to find them. Right. So like what I learned from tree stand hunting, uh, is you can be on a completely different side of the mountain as these elk, even if you scouted a few weeks before, and then maybe right at the last day, or maybe not at all during a long 15 day hunt, the elk won't even be there. They'll, they'll, they'll be, somewhere yeah. else, you know, cause you'll have encounters with them in a tree stand, but it just depends if they're there. Yeah. Right? So that's what we did. We went after them. And so I think from that point there, we we're like, man, we, this, this area, we could not actually, uh, glass animals. I want to be in an area that we can glass animals. We ended up having a few points in our pocket to, uh, draw on a unit and that's what we did. So we did a bunch of research and we uh, found the best unit for the, the uh, amount of points we had. And uh, from that point there, Wade and I probably had the busiest work year we've both have had in forever. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is good and bad. But, uh, yes, yeah. yeah, it was fantastic uh, financially. And um, but like we had no time to scout whatsoever. Okay. And we just wasted all of our points. So you used all your points and yeah. now you're having to go in blind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, Grant, we did do some e-scouting, right? Sure. Of course. Um, and so, like, we 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 used, uh, you know, Onyx, and we used Google Maps. We just got into these areas we thought were good, and I was scouting the wilderness areas and all that. And then right at the end there, I noticed that there was one area that was bike accessible and, uh, like, e-bike accessible. Yeah. And we have e-bikes. And so I was like, well, we haven't done any scouting, you know, on or on the ground, like boots on the ground kind of scouting. And so why don't we go and explore this e-bike area here? It's a 13-mile loop and see if we can get into something. Yeah, It didn't look like crazy wilderness area. It, It was more open, you know, with less trees it seemed like. But hey, man, if we don't get into elk, we can always go into wilderness, you know. And so that's what caused that's where us you started to go to that spot. Okay, we, so yeah. you started there. You you've got a draw unit, so you got higher expectations because now you're not competing in an over the counter unit where you just yeah. you know you you never know with over the counter. Doesn't mean there's a lot of different misconceptions I think about 
over-the-counter units in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Some of them are absolutely fantastic units. Mm -hmm. Some of the over-the-counter units actually hold more elk than uh, the units that are draw units, you know. They just manage units different for trophy potential and you know you know whatnot out yep. here, um, so it's not that you didn't get into elk in over the counter units, right? Um, you, you did, but mm. yeah, you went into this year with different expectations. You yep. you spurned some points, mm. you did some e scouting, mm. but you didn't get boots on the ground, right? Um, which that's a little bit intimidating because it's like, did we just waste a whole bunch of points? It really was, to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so when you go in on your e-bikes, that's kind of your plan A. We're gonna go in on e-bikes. Yep. <laughs> oh, you're laughing. Sorry. What what happened with well, e-bikes? I mean, we got we got into the e-bikes, and I think it was like within a hundred yards, we realized that we cannot use our e-bikes because the terrain was so crazy. Okay. Yes, granted, you could take a bike in there, but man, you have to be a professional biker to go into these areas. To do that. Yeah, man, we're carrying And that's where boots on the ground makes <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. the biggest difference. Exactly. So I this is this is gonna be part A, but I'll get into it a little bit because uh the first that we had two hunts this year, part A, uh, which was Wade's hunt where he harvested, and then part B was my hunt. And I was at the end of the archery season in Colorado. Okay, part A though, you and Wade did that mm-hmm. hunt together. It was an eleven day, is that right? 11 days. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was 11 scheduled days 11 there. that ended scheduled up scheduled uh, nine days <laughs> Okay, uh, and uh, ended up being there 11 days. Okay. Yeah. And we will dive into that. And the reason why mm-hmm. we're going to do kind of a part A and part B is because we're actually going to have Wade come in uh, and tell par- the part A story because mm-hmm. that's a whole experience in and of itself. There were, there was mm-hmm. a lot of lessons learned. Oh my gosh. So yes. part A is going to be an incredible story. Yeah. So stay tuned for part A. Mm, it's going to be good. That's the, that's actually the beginning and give us, here's what we already know about part a mm. we know that wade harvested a bull yes. we know that there was a nine day hunt that mm. turned to 11 days absolutely for a reason yes and uh, i would say some of the reasons that you're going to hear about have to do with like maybe not ever wanting to elk hunt again <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah and for the uh two days after yeah the harvest and deciding yeah. uh this is way way mm. way more difficult i don't know if anybody should ever shoot a bull this far back <laughs> all of those lessons we're going to save for part yes. a yes um yeah. and let, let's just hit this. Mm-hmm. You in part A of mm-hmm. a nine day hunt mm-hmm. that turned to eleven. You had several encounters. Mm. You Absolutely. so it wasn't that you went in for nine days and then finally got a bull at the end. It right. was you had several encounters. Mm. Yes. That and I just want to pull from some of that in mm-hmm. order to go into what is actually part B. Yep. So give us like some of your learning mm. curve moments Absolutely. of part a that mm. caused you to make some changes mm. before the part b and yeah. then let's dive into part b yeah. so what are mm. some of the things you learned on part a one the e-bikes weren't an option <laughs> absolutely okay yep so give us some other lessons learned okay so uh some of the lessons learned here um man i i mean we let me just reiterate here i during the first hunt part a I got so frustrated because we were on the elk every day, it seemed like, and they were bugling at us. And I called my wife and I said, hey, babe, I think I'm going to become a guide next year because (laughs) I don't know how to seal the deal. Like, how else am I going to find out how to seal the deal without, like, paying a guide to show me? Like, I might as well be paid in, you know, you know what I'm saying, (laughs) right? So so anyways. You were in elk. Yes. That's just a little side note, right? So we were in elk every day. Um, you know, I think the biggest things that, uh, we learned were caller shooter, caller shooter, how to actually make that actually make it happen, you know, in the red zone, 
though we might be finding elk every day, which is one of the hardest things elk hunters can do, um, we were in the red zone almost every day as well. And we could just not make it happen. Yeah. And I think we went from Corey Jacobson, one one collar shooter to the year prior. And then we added these predator stalker decoys to our attendance there, right? Yep. They were with us. They were part of us. They were on our bows at all times. We ended up like getting really close to animals with them, but not close enough. Yeah. And then we ended up thinking. When you say not close enough. Well, what, what, what are we talking about? Well, 50 yeah. yards, a hundred yards, right. every, 50 I, yards. Okay. 50, uh, well, okay. So we actually ended up having, like we went straight to cow elk with these decoys and got 62 yards. They were watching us walk to them. Yeah. And I could definitely easily take a shot like that, but it was just, it didn't work itself out. Yeah. That moment, and that's right? the power of the decoy on the front of the boat. You were able Absolutely. to actually, they were yeah. looking at you. Right. You weren't trying to hide yourself. Absolutely. You were showing yourself to the elk Mm -hmm. walking to them. Dude, there's absolutely a time and a place for those decoys, and you just got to know how to use it. Okay. Okay? Would you have shot a cow? I would have. Absolutely. Okay. We haven't harvested a bull together as a team for eight years. Okay. So I harvested a bull separately than him. Yeah. He wasn't there for that. So yes, I, you know, we made it, we actually pinky promised, literally we held each other's pinkies and we said, dude. Whatever animal is legal, we're going to shoot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so okay. That's, so that, that's the strategy. Yeah. You're going in, even though you used a lot of points. Exactly. You have an either sex tag, yeah. and you're, but you're going to take the first legal animal that you have an opportunity. We at. just wanted to be a successful camp. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, so that was our attitude. Um, and so we were going in at these, uh, you know, okay, let me get back to uh, what we learned, right? Yeah. So I learned that. Um, there's a time and a place for the stalker decoys. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, and so I also learned that collar shooter and during the collar shooter, the shooter w- does not use one of those stalker decoys. Biggest lesson I learned. Okay. Okay. Cause I would have killed a bull, uh, definitely during part A if, okay. if, it, if it were not for that, or at least had a very good chance to, right. Okay. So diving into my hunt. Okay. After Wade's hunt, that was, uh, we got back from, uh, 11 days. We were out there. Um, I was physically training year, you know, the entire year for this, uh, got out there, felt fantastic all the way up to the ninth day. Uh, the ninth day when we took Wade's animal, uh, that's when my feet started hurting and they were just destroyed. The two days after was really tough for me. And, um, my body was recovering for two weeks after that. And it was still was not recovered when we went back out there. Yeah. Like so, you couldn't put shoes on for two weeks. I couldn't put shoes on for two weeks. I was wearing flip flops all the dang time. And if I had to go out for a work consult, I was like acting like I wasn't in pain. So I actually, I didn't even blister. It was just like a bruise. I don't even know what it was. Wade yeah. did, had some blisters, but yes, it was crazy. So, but this was what gave us the idea. Like, dude, we need to, we need to rent some llamas. Okay, yes. so you tra- you made a transition <laughs> yeah. from e-bikes to llamas. Yep. You don't own llamas, but you right. now you come back and you're in the middle of elk season because you have a yeah. month here. Yeah. You've already spent the whole first half. Right. First half of elk season, gone. Gone. Can't regain it. Right. You're debating now mm-hmm. because because elk, you did get an elk with Wade. Yeah, Wade Wade filled his tag. I did not fill and, mine. And now you're debating, yeah. are you even going to put in the time? Because you've already right. been away from family. You have... Yeah. You have kids, a wife, right. Um, yeah. it, it's a major yeah. sacrifice. Yeah, seven month old. Yeah. It's yeah. a major have, sacrifice yeah, for you to leave yeah. again. Right. Huge. So you're debating, yeah. do I yeah. go out 
but yeah. but what what caused what was some of the tipping point that actually caused you to even request <laughs> to your Good wife question. to go back out? Yeah, and I, honestly, she knew like she was prepared that we put in points that I would possibly be out there multiple times this year and within that one month. So okay. she knew that I could almost take the whole month off. Uh, but uh, what caused me to go back out is when I would show people the bull elk that Wade shot. Uh, they, you know, I had a picture of myself in there. They would say, who shot the elk? And I said, well, he did. But like, <laughs> we, I, we did. I but... <laughs> would say, you know, I would say Wade and I would both say we did. Right. Yeah. But like he had the, yeah, the teamwork factor. The is teamwork huge. factor. Yeah. That's what we found out, man. You have to have a team. And if you don't have the right team, it's, it's not going to work out as well. Okay. So that, that's the big deal. That's probably the biggest lesson I learned. Okay. Yeah. Right. And even just how to work as a team. As a team. That's yeah, a big deal. Yeah, if I if I could just rewind it and say that yeah. right there, that is definitely the biggest lesson I learned yeah. is you got to have a good team. And that is that's it. also one of the things that I would say has been something one of the biggest benefits of hunting with the same hunting partner year mm-hmm. over year. Yeah. Because there's little nuances to it that are like these unspokens that you start to right. get in rhythms. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You, you both have memories of like, hey, do you remember how this worked and didn't work? And <laughs> Right. You start blinking at each other. You know what you're saying. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, <laughs> you, you, don't have you, to talk. you talk about like you were in the red zone often, but you couldn't, you couldn't finish. Right. Exactly. And that's a, that's a yeah. major, major thing. It's like, yep. how, do, how do you finish in the red zone? And I think yep. some of those, those little things come into that, just that teamwork thing that puts you from being successful to not being successful to like, how, how does it work together? So yes, there's a lot of lessons, but your wife is letting you go out. How many mm-hmm. days do you have now allotted for right. this, this? I mean, this yeah. is the B story. So we have how many days. days? Four days. You got four days to get three, it done. Three, three to four days. Yeah. So in the discussion, you come back from this trip, mm-hmm. you're physically destroyed. Absolutely. Can be, I mean, your feet are killing you. You can barely walk, but right. you're, you're saying, hey, we're going to go at this for another four days, knowing yep. that you might harvest again mm-hmm. and you might have to go through the same similar yeah. pain. Yeah. You made some strategy changes. Yeah. Llamas yes. was a big part of it. So Absolutely. how on earth did llamas even enter your mind? Is that just because yeah. you've watched... Uh, yeah, Randy Newberg. Randy Newberg <laughs> yeah, and, his, Randy. and his llama. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. that that's the inspiration. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, you've seen other hunters Bo using llamas. He's the llama guy. The okay, llama so how, how did you connect to llamas? Did yeah. you just Google search, like, give me a llama? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Give me a llama here. Uh, yeah, no, we, uh, during that hunt, um, we were actually talking about llamas the whole time. Wade has 35 acres. He's been talking about getting llamas for a few years, actually. Just, uh, yes, the YouTube videos. But yeah, when I got back, did a little Google search and we, we looked into, and I found uh, like three different places here in Colorado, uh, that rent slums. And then we ended up finding this, this, uh, really great place, Western pack elk or Western, yeah. Western pack elk llamas. I think it is or Western elk pack llamas. Yes. Western elk pack llamas. That's okay. what it is. And now, uh, now Tim, that you just Tim said it, people are going to start renting yes, them dude, and now you won't on. be able to rent them anymore. Oh, come on. Don't how many, do that, guys. How many llamas dude, does he have? He has a lot of llamas. Okay. Yeah, so, so I think we'll be good. Okay. So but. you think that there's still a chance <laughs> by saying this. All right. <laughs> Wait, let's cut this out. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so you, you found a place that could, you can yeah. rent llamas from. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any experience hunting with llamas? Never. Okay. Not, not one one ounce. And uh, my only experience is just YouTube, right? Randy Newberg and Bo Beatty, they talk about how to hunt with llamas and blah, 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 right? 
Um, and so when you rent llamas, you got to do, if it's your first time, you got to do like an hour training session with them, which is really just like him telling you like how to take how care, to care of, for the animal. Yeah. Like his biggest thing <laughs> this that is he how to said, not kill my animal. Yeah, <laughs> biggest thing he said is don't let go of the llamas. He said, you might as well shoot the llama if you, if you let it go. Really? Because you're not going to catch the llama. And that's what he told me. So you have to keep, so you're leading it on a rope. Yes. And yep. then when you're not holding the llama, you got to tie it, it off. It has to be tied somewhere. Yeah. And don't always, let go don't let of the go llamas. Of the llamas. Yes. Yeah. So okay. you got to tie it up. Good to, to know. The tree. Right. Yeah. That's one of the big things that, you know, they all, you know, they're, they're going to, the coolest thing about llamas is they're going to eat whatever is around them. Like you do not have to bring in a bunch of hay like you would horses or mules. You, they just eat bark. They eat pine needles. They eat pine cones. They, it's it's amazing. I'm like, they, I was like, they're vacuum cleaners. They actually do this stuff. Yeah, they're it's amazing. So we ended up doing that, and uh, it was amazing. We actually were walking without our backpacks on for like the almost the whole time because they were carrying our camp. We had three llamas, three people. Each one of these llamas could carry 80 pounds, and. Uh, if we had to carry something, it was very light. Yeah, you, so had, a, it was very you had a day cozy. pack with, with yeah. snacks and water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it Otherwise, was sweet, you're not letting go of the llamas, so no. uh, yeah. your stuff's right there with <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly, exactly. So that was kind of intimidating when he told us that, like when he gave us the spiel, he, it was kind of intimidating because, man, like, what if we let go of the llama? Like, our entire hunt could be wrong, you know. Yeah. You know, it could be destroyed. I might as well be riding an e-bike and destroy my bow by falling off the bike like I did on part A. Wade will okay. probably touch on. Yes. And, um, you know, so there's these, there's these uh, we're, we're getting out there. We're taking the llamas out. We're new to these llamas. And, uh, you know. Let me ask you a, yeah. a water question with llamas. Yeah, yeah, do they have right. to be by water all the time? Or, like, what did you have buckets? Uh, what, how, yeah. how do you... How do you manage the water right. factor? Because in Colorado, there's yeah. not always streams or lakes. Exactly. Or... Good question. So, like, what what was your plan for water yeah. with llamas? Yeah. So we actually uh, learned this from uh, uh, Bo Beatty. They'll bring uh, buckets into the wilderness with them, and they'll actually fill up at a stream and bring them back to the llamas. And so you can leave the llamas um, tied up or staked out if they're in a field uh, with a bucket of water that you know, like, is at the edge where they're not going to spill. You know, and then you could go hunting, right? Okay. So you can tie them up and then you can go hunting and leave them at water. Now, in our experience, man, we went, we crossed a crazy amount of streams. There's water everywhere where we were hunting. And these llamas would not drink water. We were like trying to put their faces down in the water. And they just wouldn't drink it. And uh, I know Bo Beatty doesn't do that with his animals because he doesn't want them to like soil the streams and stuff like that. I know that's what he said before, um, at least in one of his uh, uh, YouTube videos. But um, Art, the guy, Tim, he said, you know, just give them some water from the stream if they need it, you know, and we were going to cross streams anyways, might as well let yeah. them drink. And so that's what we did. I know Bo Beatty probably does as well. I mean, that's just part of like hiking with animals, but, um, and so, but they wouldn't drink. The only time I saw them really drink is when we actually brought them those buckets of water from the stream oh. and they like sat there and they drank it, man, like for a long time. And, um, but honestly, that was one time within this four-day trip. And they did have a few sips from the streams. But my llama, man, when he got by the stream, he would just eat the grass in the stream. Okay. He wasn't even he drinking loved the water. He loved the food. Yeah. 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 So like, I think they the might have food. some okay. sort of like camel. Like they can just have, they don't have to have water for very long, which is like incredible, right? Yeah. So um, that okay. makes things a little easier. Tangent on the water. But yeah. I, I just want to know, like, because I'm, I'm thinking of like, you know, the animal side of this, like one of the debates that I've had, the guys I hunt with is like one of the guys even owns horses. 
But one of our friends is like, I don't want to do the horse thing because I don't want to have to be like, I don't, I want to be out in the morning. And if we're in elk, I don't want to have that. I have to come back to camp because I have to take care of these animals. animals, I have to do this. And then I can come back out. He's like, if I'm in elk, I want to stay with elk. I don't want to have the responsibility or even just have that thought in the back of my mind. Right. I've got to take care of something. Mm-hmm. So he, he likes mm-hmm. the freedom of not having an animal. Yeah. You didn't feel that same tethered feeling mm-hmm. with the llamas because right. you could tie them off. They yep. had water. They had yep. everything they needed. Yep. Yep. And we could go hunt. And you were gone. Yeah. Yep. I would say that was amazing because if you set them up in a really good area, you know, a better, best area would be like a grass field, right? And you stake them out. They have like 18 to 20 foot lead and they can circle around that. It's a, like a diameter, right? Yeah. Uh, a 20 foot radius. Um, yeah, so, uh, you could stake them up there, but we ended up, you know, we ended up actually coming back to them pretty much every day, I would say. Okay. Now, if we saw an elk, um, uh, three miles away, which we did end up seeing, and then we would take the elk with us, right? Take the llamas with yeah, you. Or the, sorry. The I'd like to take the elk <laughs> yeah, with yeah. <laughs> Let's take the elk with us. Yeah, no, uh, we would take the llamas with us. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So one big strategy, mm-hmm. bringing llamas. Absolutely. Drop the e-bikes. Yeah, we're going to do that every year. You're Lamas. committed. You're Absolutely. you're a llama man. Yeah, we're probably gonna end up buying them at some point. Okay, I mean that would make sense. Mm-hmm. You got one. You train it. Dude, you we love it. elk hunting. It's, we're passionate. We're going deep into the wilderness. Um, you know why? Why not have lighter legs? Okay. Yeah. So that's a real thing. That's a real. The llamas thing. is a real thing. Absolutely. This isn't just a YouTube thing because people think it's gonna get more views because it's unusual or weird. Right. Llamas yeah. are a helpful animal. Helpful animal. Way, way better than bringing four-wheelers. Way more reliable. Way more reliable than e-bikes. You don't have to charge them up every day. I mean, I just think they're the best. I mean, they're, they're also really cool. Like, you can, like, you, you can hug them. I mean, I was... Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, you, I would you, grab mine around the neck. I'm like, thank you, buddy. You the man. Yeah, you, know, you became I friends. I mine Ron. You know, they had different names. that We all named ours differently. Yeah. Doyle. Aaron named his Doyle. Uh, Wade named his uh, Mitch. Okay. Yeah, mine was rough. So, so llamas yeah. for the win mm-hmm. and probably Absolutely. a future part of hunts from now on. Um, Absolutely. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something I've never tried or yeah, experienced. You should do it. Um, okay. Go back to, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about the red zone. Let's talk about the red zone. Let's, yeah. let's talk about what yep. changed between mm-hmm. A and B yep. and yeah. what you yeah. did different yep. in the red zone and B. During uh, hunt A, um, when we, we went to town, we came back from town and I was kind of frustrated. And I said, wait, dude, what do we know? We know caller shooter. A lot of people are very successful with that. We know this. What do we not fully know are our predator decoys, you know, which have split us up. We thought we can hunt separately and individually, right? That's what we were kind of doing, but we didn't fully do that. We were like in between. We didn't know how we were hunting. Okay. With those new, that was yeah. a new aspect of our hunt, the predator decoys. And so that's what we did. The next, uh, we, we ended up, uh, I, I got into some elk the next day. This is part of a, it would be a big story with Wade. I ended up getting some shots. They were 50 yards away from me. My bow was damaged from falling off the e-bike. From the thing. e-bike. Yeah. So I didn't get to actually hit the animals with an arrow. Uh, actually I did draw uh, blood with a leg shot, I think on the first one, but it was probably a wonky arrow. Anyhow. So, uh, that's exactly what we learned. Collar shooter. Um, and then that's how we got Wade's bowl down. Um, and, uh, 
Um, and then we were going into the second hunt knowing that there are elk galore in this unit and more than we've ever seen in our life. It's just incredible going from that unit that we were initially at to this unit. Sure. Fantastic. Difference between an over-the-counter unit oh and, my and a unit yeah. that took you and, several And points. I've been to some dry units before. Um, but just didn't get into elk like didn't this. Didn't get into elk like this. And okay. I don't know. And I, actually, we met some people that went into this unit that were in a different area of the unit, and they did not harvest and, uh, so I think, I don't know if it was the area that we were in or what, but sure. fantastic area. Um, so anyhow, uh, we knew that we had four days I, I, when I was going into, I knew that I was going to have at least one shot there okay. because of how much we have learned from our first hunt. And now we know where the elk are. Did you do some tuning and fixing of your bow when you got back? Absolutely. And actually my bow wasn't fully damaged. It was just my back stabilizer that got bent into um, the string. And so when I pull my, my string back, it would hit the stabilizer first, the string would. Yeah. And then and throw, throw, throw your arrow. arrow wonky. You know? Got it. So it was a pretty easy fix. Um, anyhow, we got into the, you want me to get into the story now? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, cool. All right. So we, en- we ended up getting there. We went up the hill, we were hiking in, we were, we were smiling almost like the first time we were riding e-bikes cause we just didn't have to wear, wear any weight. Right. You yeah. Know? It was just like, this is amazing. You're loving llamas. Yeah. It was amazing. Aaron was his first time back. You know, he didn't get to go on our first hunt. He ended up doing a bugle and, uh, we were in an area where we knew elk were heard a bugle. I'm like, Oh, sweet. There's elk right up there. We're, we're in them from the start. <laughs> we're in them from the start. First, first day we're there, evening hunt, right? So sweet. We're going up there, and then we get close to that area, and then we start hearing bugling. And uh, we're like, okay, how do we do this? Let's, let's go after them. You know, let's, let's, they're going up the hill right now. Let's go after them. And that just kind of became the way that we hunted. Uh, after, after Wade, and there was a few days before uh, we got uh, Wade's bull down, um, that we just started saying, okay, let's go last of the Mohican style. That's Wade's kind of terms for it. And we just started going after these elk, man, yeah. running after them. We're hearing just sprinting viewpoint. through the woods. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, Remy Warren says dogging them. Right. And he yeah. just says, uh, you know, like when you hear an elk, um, you know, and they're in a, a herd, you know, you, you, you just got to go after them. And if you don't have the physical fitness to do it, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to get to those elk. Yeah. You know? And so we, we tied up the llamas to trees first time doing that. Right. And then it's kind of getting dark. We throw off their packs because you want to throw their packs off. So they're not carrying all this weight all the time. You know, yeah. give them a little break. We're set up. I'm the only shooter here, which is kind of cool, but also there's a lot of pressure on me. I feel like, and then I set my pack down and then all of a sudden this, I I'm like, start getting stung by something. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And I got stung my hand, my left hand got stung on my shoulder, right where you grab your bow. Exactly. And then I got stung on my left bicep and, uh, I'm freaking out, man. And this, this has actually happened to me multiple times before. (laughs) I don't know why. I think somebody told me like when the, uh, yellow jackets sting you, they leave some sort of beacon. I don't even know, man, but I was super pissed off to be honest. I mean, sometimes you step on a yellow jacket and they just come flying out and it's like, you can't get away. (laughs) It's crazy. It was crazy. And it, 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 it's funny because when we were there for the first hunt, we were butchering up the elk and there was wasps everywhere, man. They were everywhere. We did not get stung one time. I was holding legs, trying to debone them and they were, anyhow. So it was just ironic to me. Honestly, it was just weird yeah. because it was, I'm the only shooter here, you know, and I'm about to chase after an elk and I'm just like, my feet are still completely obliterated from the first hunt. Yeah. We're about to run up this hill and, uh, 
I'm just like, what in the world? And I'm like, screw you, Satan. You know, like I'm <laughs> yeah. like, screw you. I'm going to go kill an elk right now. And I just told myself that the guy's like, dude, let's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, all right, let's go. I'm like, all right, let's go. So we started chasing after these animals, hearing them bugling. And then it started getting a lot more. Is this, is this morning or night? This is night. Okay. This is night. Yeah. The evening we picked up the llamas that day, went there, hiked in, heard a bugle. Now we're already on the animals. Same okay. day. It's crazy. Yeah. And so we're going after him. We kind of know the area. Wade is an incredible, uh, he, he just is his, he's very aware of where things are in nature. Uh, he would be an incredible guide. Yeah. You know, I think he just knows kind of where the animals are going to go. And he also just knows the terrain. And then, so we started running up this mountain. My feet are going crazy. My heart is just a pounding. I'm breathing. We finally get up to this area. I tell Wade, I'm like, dude, it is dark. I can barely see my pins. That elk does. I can't even hear that elk. And then Wade's like, dude, let's, let's just go a little bit farther. I said, okay, sounds good. And so we do, I slip boat falls. Cause it's raining, right? I slip on this rock bow falls. It lands on the ground first. I'm like, dang it. Like, is this another, like me getting my bow jacked up kind of situation? Uh, anyway, so we're going after this elk. We hear it bugle. It's a little, sounds a little closer. And then all of a sudden behind us, we hear this roar, like just guttural beautiful you know yeah. every the, man's the dream, dream, <laughs> the dream you know bugle and we're just like what and we change directions right so there's two bulls there and um so wade and aaron are both calling and uh aaron actually he th he's throwing out some some challenge calls which we're we're totally fine with but we did not have to do that with the first hunt to get these animals super close to us yeah and so i'm like are you like, I don't know if you like want to do that yet, maybe, you know, maybe chill a little yeah, bit. Like, come on, calm down. But like, dude, honestly worked. And, uh, but Wade's, Wade's cow calling, Estra's calling and we're getting close. And then the, the animal kind of shuts up for a little bit and I'm like, Oh dang it. Like the challenge bugle, you know? Yeah. We pushed him or we, we pushed him. Yeah. So I move up a little bit and I'm pretty aggressive hunter. Like I, I've, I've always been kind of aggressive. So I'm moving up. The guys are like behind me and, uh, I have my stalker decoy on still. So I'm still hunting with this thing, not fully aware that like the hunt, the, the shooter as myself shouldn't be shooting with that stalker decoy. Not saying that everybody shouldn't, but that's just yeah. what we found out, right? Um, but maybe keep that with the caller so that if the bull hears the call, he looks over, he sees yes. the decoy. hundred percent. Caller, dude, those things are the best for callers yeah. because they're so light. But you're, you're not trying to draw the bull's attention to you exactly You're trying to be invisible that's what we caller. figured out yeah yeah so like i mean that's probably like these randy newberg Corey jacobson born and raised guys they've known this stuff forever but like man we're just learning by air here trialing it right so we get in there and then i i it, the elk bugles again and he's like closer i'm like oh wow like he didn't run away so he's still here we didn't spook him like the wind's in our favor still so i go up this ridge he's not there where i thought he was gonna be and then i walk a little bit farther down and i see okay he has to be on that ridge right there because you know he's that close he has to be <clears throat> so i poke my head out a little bit with my bow and uh and then i see the elk's butt i'm like oh there he is and then the guys are calling and then I take out my rangefinder. and I'm thinking I can get a, I could probably get a, an arrow right through that tree right there. It's dark. Like I yeah, range him right at the, it, yeah, I range him. I can still see my pins, but I can't see through my rangefinder. <laughs> so I'm like, I look up it with my rangefinder to see how far away it is. It, Cause you can see the light and cause we're in the deep woods, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, that's 35 yards away. And then 
the bull spooks somehow. And I think he saw the decoy. He saw it move. He heard some sound. And he moves. And he moves across the hill. And he was at 35 yards, but he's moving. And he was tall, man. This was a big bull. He was a good bull. He was a good bull. But are you not feeling confident now because of light? Are you feeling well? Yes, he, I would say so. He's moving too quick. Yeah, like I think like everybody probably wished that I shot that elk first night, right? And sure. I probably could have. I could have taken a shot. He was moving. He's 35 yards away. It was kind of broadside. But man, I didn't fully know how far away he was. I had some encounters in part A where I'm like, I probably, I just need to wait. I, I can't, I got to be patient, you know? And there's elk in here. I know we just worked really hard. We probably, I think we ran two miles to these elk. Uh, actually, after looking at the the onyx, it was two miles that we got yeah. to. And within like 30, 45 minutes, I don't know. It was it was fast up these hills. Um, and uh, I can't, you know, it was it was crazy. And then, uh, and we got to them and then I just like, I fell, it was raining, it was yeah. dark. I just didn't want to like So night one was, night one was close. Close. There, there are a few things, maybe a little bit of lessons learned, but it, it's even hard to learn a lesson. It's just like, that was just close. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just close, but it's one of those classic, you're in the red zone. It didn't work out. Yep. People don't understand how often that happens. My yeah. wife is one of those that like, what do you mean for like 10 years in a row, you're in yeah. the red zone, you have opportunities, you're within, like I, yeah. I had, uh, this is two years ago now, yeah. I had six bulls inside of 35 yards from me wow and i didn't get a shot wow and yep. and with only two little bushes right like full exposed yeah. bulls yeah yeah but it's like i'm waiting for one of those yeah. six bulls right for the right shot and <laughs> yeah. it's like i could have shot at any of the other ones at different yeah, times it's like but i'm waiting for this one to give me the shot mm. and it's just that one wasn't cooperating and right as it cooperates I lose my strength because I've been holding my draw. Oh, yeah, I mean, I've been at yeah. full draw for about two minutes, and I just, right, right as I'm about to release arrow, I'm shaking so bad, yep. and it's that debate. Do I either pull the trigger right yep. now and just hope for the best or yep. let down knowing right. it's going to be the worst? But it's like, what is, yeah. you know, do, do oh, you yeah. wound a bull? Do you, right, like, exactly. It's hard. You know, it's professionals, you know, every year they deal with the same thing, you know, and it's just it's just how it goes. Um so I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I also have listened to many, uh, videos and podcasts of like shot placement, you yeah. know, and if you don't take your time and get that arrow in the right spot, I know it's, you're just going to be tracking. Elk, you're elk gonna, are it, tough. They're, they're tough. I w- was listening. I don't know how, how credible this is, but I was listening to a podcast, um, during this actual hunt that we're talking about, actually it was a YouTube video. Um, we'll get into that in a sec. I'll get there. Okay. 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 Okay, So we get back to the, uh, llamas that night we go, we go to sleep. My hand is completely swollen. My right bicep, my shoulder (sighs) completely swollen because I'm allergic to these things. Yeah. I actually had to go to the hospital a few years ago. These wasps, right? Yeah. Uh, yellow jackets. Do you carry an EpiPen or no, I don't. I actually got some after that, but like I've been stung by them before or after this one kind of where I had to go to the hospital and I never have had to go to the hospital since. Okay. So. Um, I, there was a lawsuit against these EpiPen things. That's why I don't care anymore. Cause I'm like, I don't want to inject myself with something that could be not, not good. Not good. Right. Okay. Anyways, woke up next day. We had our destination and we were going to go right to where Wade initially shot his elk because it's a really good spot to glass. We saw elk multiple times in there. It's just, we know there's elk there. Yeah. Ended up seeing some hunters there. One of the hunters, uh, tells me they shot a bull. If you see a bull, with an arrow sticking out of his butt, that's my bull. 
Okay. <laughs> or that, or that's the ball that I that's shot. That's the ball that I shot. Yeah, it's not yeah, his ball. He's, he's not claiming it. But he's not he's claiming. These really good hey, old Tennessee boys, uh, man. Yeah, they're, they're just awesome guys. They saved up uh, a lot of points, so we were like, you know, yeah. you guys, different in in state, not a state. Though. Yeah, we even told them like, man, if you you guys, they told us where some elk were and stuff, and like, dude, you guys go wherever you want. We'll stay separately from you. Yeah, like, we'll stay out of your way. Yeah, yeah, just respect out of that, you know. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, we got up there, we saw them, they said they were going to go down the valley here this way, uh, down below where we actually were the night before, um, at, uh, one of the lakes we were at. And then, uh, and then they were going to work their way up to the camp, which is actually a really good spot where we first saw elk in, uh, part A of our hunt. Right. Okay. And so we are like, okay, cool. Sounds good. My mind is over in this area where I actually got to shoot an elk that was like three miles, uh, farther away. We're already seven miles deep into this area Okay. and it's far. Right. Yeah. And, um, so, but we're like, let's just see if there's elk going to come out here tonight. And, uh, we ended up seeing some elk. We glassed some elk that, that evening, the second day. And, um, they were, so nothing really in the morning. Nothing in the morning. Yeah, we okay. didn't have too much morning action. We did glass some animals in the morning, but we did not. Uh, honestly, pretty much all of our action was in the evenings. Okay. Yeah, which uh, I don't know if it's saying something, but definitely was saying something about our yeah. area and that we were at there. So, um, so we ended up seeing the uh, herd bull, and he had some cows with him, and uh, he was probably two miles away, um, and then it was more towards the truck. We're like, oh, that's a uh, that might be the more ideal spot to sure. shoot an elk, you know? Sure. And then, uh, we're actually, uh, set up pretty much like we're, we're, we're like, okay, let's go ahead. Let's get out here. It's, it's raining and snowing on and off. Right. We're, we're like having to deal with this the whole time. And then, uh, well, let's throw out some location bugles. It's about 5 PM. And then, uh, so that's what we did. We threw out some location bugles, heard a bugle and, uh, ended up having an elk, bugle back to us and we set up we had uh an elk come into us he was a nice bull i had things ranged out i had my stalker decoy on and i thought he came up about 35 yards from me pulled back took a shot complete miss oh no <laughs> complete miss what i i was it was insane I, uh, just, just so, not even a just hit, so viewers and listeners yeah. know i mean i've yeah. shot with you at the archery mm-hmm. range yeah you're a good shooter. Uh, yeah. I like a 35 yard shot. A 35 yard shot is, that's well within your wheelhouse. Yeah. Like yeah. you, you can hit a three inch circle repeatedly yeah, at, at that distance. Yeah, How do you miss yes. an elk? How do you miss a 700 right. pound animal at 35 right. yards? Right. Right. Well, uh, you know, it's, there's a few different things that w- happened in that moment. So he was coming up the, the area, this was an open area. So I have no trees covering me and I'm just on the ground. And then the first thing that the elk sees is this stalker decoy. So I'm shooting at him at, at a frontal shot and I shoot miss, right? He's not wounded. I can tell he just backs down. Uh, Wade Carter and Aaron Peterman are behind me calling. They have their stalker decoys playing peekaboo with them. And then, uh, so he doesn't spook very much and he just goes out a little ways. He walks around. I ended up taking a shot at uh, 85 yards, and yeah. um, and that's an extended shot. That's not that's necessarily. An extended <laughs> shot. It's not one that I would suggest to everybody. Okay, so, uh, but I'm I like you were saying. I do shoot my bow often, and I ended up shooting at that distance. I I put my pin down to 70 yards. Realized that he was farther than 70 yards, and I put my pin on the top of his back. Shot looked like a perfect heart shot to me. 
and it was a lower shot. And, uh, and so animals hit, um, you know, I'm like excited. I'm like, I can't believe I had a second opportunity to shoot that animal. We're out in the plains pretty much. And, uh, Wade get goes and gets eyes on him and we end up being able to watch this animal, uh, for the rest of the evening. We tell that we can tell that it was not a lethal shot, uh, found out that, uh, it was a brisket shot and we did like, I was just about to get into, uh, I watched a YouTube video that entire night on shot placement and a brisket shot is completely non-lethal shot. I went after the animal again. I went after him again that night to try to put another arrow in him. I probably got within 150 yards of him. Um, and, uh, there was another bull with him that was kind of moving this animal and, uh, they ended up, um, running, running up this rock cliff, like this rock face. We're at 12,000 feet and you can imagine like a completely vertical cliff that I would definitely not hike up myself because I know that I would fall and hurt myself. Yeah. And so just the fact that he was able to do that and I see him, you know, I'm like, gosh, man, I just hiked like (laughs) Like, two miles to try to kill this thing again. (laughs) I can never do that. Like he's alive. You know, I'm discouraged. You know, I go back to camp. I'm, I'm at the situation and I'm looking for my arrows, find my arrows and I, and I get into it and I realize that f- that first shot was at 50 yards. The he, first, not the first shot 35. was at 50 yards. It was not at 35. It went right under him. And, uh, it was because he went up this little, this little teeny hill, this little teeny hill. And then there was another hill that I thought he was on. Got it. I could not see this little teeny hill but I could see his body. So it was, it's hard to describe, I guess, but I found, I figured out like what happened in that situation. So he's 50 yards away. I took a shot at 35 and that's what we found out with these stalker predator decoys, um, has happened to us with our hunting is they have not gotten closer to us 45 to 50 yards away. So, um, go back. We can't sleep. We're, you know, debating whether we should go after him. Uh, there was no blood that we could possibly find that like we watched him for a long time. There's no blood pouring out. He was, so he went up far and, um, ended up next morning. We ended up spot spotting some elk on the hill, uh, three miles, um, away from the truck. So like 10 miles, uh, yeah. 10 miles away yeah. from the truck at that so point. Now you're really debating. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Aaron and Wade, they don't have their, you know, Wade has his tag filled. Aaron doesn't have a tag at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they both are like, dude, uh, you know, we know there's elk over here. Let's stay over here. And, um, and you know, rain came, we all went in our tents. And I, during that time in my tent, I was like, I, I just could not think, stop thinking like they're, it's 95% chance that there's elk in this one area. Yeah. But there's a hundred percent chance. But I can see elk. I can see elk in over this here. this area. Yes. And I'm like, I we have to go after those elk. We have llamas, you know, yeah. we're capable men. Let's go after these elk. So I get out of the tent, say, guys, I'm going after those elk. Yeah. I know we can catch up to them. Let's go after them. So we start hiking. It's uh, it's probably 10 a.m. And we get there, uh, get to the spot uh, on top of the hill. We made a few stalks on the way there. And just uh, running into elk on the way or what? No, just areas that we knew there were elk like multiple times with the first hunt. So just calling, not stock calling. And we, and we like, we were just like a silent calling kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, we, we tied the llamas up going into the area cause we actually thought we heard a vehicle in one of these areas Okay, and we knew that the elk came out of there and some of them could have stayed. We were thinking possibly, I don't know. 
Probably not logical, but maybe. And uh, so we ended up uh, ditching that, going up to the top of this hill. It's like 12,400 feet, I think it was. Yeah, so you're well above the trees. We're well above the trees. It is uh, beautiful as can be up there, uh, but the air is thin. Um, yeah, we, we're you're within, in tundra. Yes, we're with an out-of-stater from Florida, and uh, man, this guy is crushing it. Uh, but man, it but is But the altitude hard. is also crushing him. <laughs> it is also crushing him. <laughs> yes. Uh, so honestly, I was very impressed with him. He has a very, uh, he's very uh, mentally capable. And I think that's what it takes with elk hunting. So, yeah. so we were pushing hard. And um, we ended up going and I glassed the elk that we saw. Uh, they just came out and they were in the valley below us, three miles down. And um, so we came up with a plan, started snowing on us again. And, uh, we had the prevailing winds in our favor. And, uh, so we made our plan, went in on them. Uh, we had, uh, set up collar shooter. I took my decoy off. Okay. That was probably the changing moment in everything. Okay. And, uh, not because you're anti decoy, but just the way you were hunting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Honestly, these decoys are incredible. They got us so close to so many animals, and if I were solo hunting, I would be wearing those one of those all the time. Uh, but the way that we were hunting, they wouldn't, and maybe it's just the animals in this area. You know, elk are different in different areas, yeah. and it's it is a very true thing. Uh, but we could not get them closer to to us than 45, 50 yards. Okay. So, anyways, I wanted them closer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so we went after him, uh, we started calling, uh, Aaron started, um, challenge calling and Wade was, um, he was estrus calling Wade, Wade and I, we kind of synced together in the first hunt. We said, dude, caller needs to have constant visual on the shooter at all times. And there might be a few times where they can't see you, blah, 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 but get that visual because caller uh, shooter knows what's yeah. going on a little, a little closer than the than the caller does. So Wade was watching me. Aaron wasn't fully on the same page with that. He was raking. He was he was exhausting. So he is a funny story afterwards. And uh, he was going at it. So elk, we heard them. They were coming to us. They ended up moving farther away from us after after some time. And I think they were just going to their spot. Right, the elk know where they're going to go. And uh, so I I I point to Wade and said, "Let's go." And, uh, we started going, we start, we try to get, uh, Aaron's attention multiple times and, um, it just, he was in, in the zone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, he was busy breaking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And actually afterwards he told us he saw a few six by six, they he had some elk come into him. So we, we were still in a very elky area, but just the way that I hunt, I'm like a very, I, I, I need to get after those animals. Right. And so we, I heard the only elk that I knew were there. I heard we're You're going following. downhill. Yeah. We got to go after him. So we ended up going after him. And, uh, and then we, f we saw two bulls. One was 400 something yards away. The other one was 600 yards away across a valley. The thermals were about to shift and they were still going up in our favor. The thermals were about to shift. Wade ends up calling and, uh, and then we draw this bull out 400 something yards away and he gets 40 yards away from us, but the thermals are already not in our favor. And we're just like, he gets 40 yards away right when he gets past his tree. Um, he spooks. He smells me right away. So yeah. Me or Wade. You know, we're, we're 20 to 60 yards away from each other, just keeping visual on each other, right? Dang. Where this, it's a partnership. It's the teamwork, yeah. and that's like what we were talking about. This is what needs to happen. 
So I actually ended up shooting the arrow just because I was at full draw and I like, he, he was like 10 feet away from me when I shot from where I shot at the arrow at the time. It just was like instinctual. Like I got to shoot kind of thing. We're in the moment. Went to try to find the arrow. It's like, dude, don't find the arrow. Like the elk, we could still hear elk bugling down the valley here. Let's go after him. I said, okay, let's do it. And so we started, we started moving, man. And actually at times we were running. Uh, towards these elk and they were in the valley we were in the woods on the the right side of this hill here and we were just pursuing them and um we we bumped a bunch of cows on our way there and uh you know we i listened to a few remy warren podcasts recently and he that's what he talks about he's just like you just can't worry about bumping a cow sometimes to get to the animals you know you just gotta lay down or move or just keep going you know and so that's what we did we kept going moving 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 and it was it started raining on us and, uh, and then we got to a setup and we, the elk were kind of positioned and they stopped moving and we found this really sweet area. Um, wind was in our favor most likely. And, uh, you know, and so I set up in one area, Wade set up, uh, 30 yards behind me and we started calling man. And, uh, from that point there, um, Wade, uh, was a little bit below me. Uh, the animal was bugling. It was coming into us. And I pointed at Wade. I said, move up the hill. He started playing peekaboo with the elk. So the elk could see an elk and he could hear an elk. And I chose an area that uh, only an elk could come through only two areas. One would be a frontal shot and one would be a, uh, yeah, broadside. a broadside shot. And um, 25 yards shot at the most, which I'm like, praise God. You know, I can't shoot. I don't want to shoot farther than that. And, uh, man, uh, elk Wade moved up to that area. Uh, the elk was actually going below me. Wade moved up. He changed directions. Elk came right to where I wanted him on that broadside spot. 13 yard shot, man. Uh, double lung pass through, and you know, didn't go 20. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so, no yeah. he, he went about 300 yards, but yeah. Incredible. Hunt. Unbelievable. Yeah. And this is, this is, a uh, are we, is this day two of, of the four day hunt? Um, is this just the second night? Yeah, this actually is. Or is this the third day night? two? Yeah, this yeah. is day two. Yeah, this is day two. Okay. Yeah, you've already loosed a couple arrows. Didn't get them. Oh yeah. no, no, sorry. So this is day three. This is day three because first day we got in there. It was only evening hunt. Second day we actually shot a brisket shot. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Third, Thursday, third, this is, this third is day, day three. Day three. So you're yes. getting into crunch time. Yes, exactly. Okay, so you one shoot one, three hundred yards. What what time of day is this? This was probably around seven thirty. I mean, it was right. So you're right at last light. Right at last light. Okay, yeah, so you, you don't have absolutely. much time. So no, you you feel good about the shot. Are you gonna? Are, did you pursue him that night or say no? We're gonna leave him and, okay. and find him. In the yeah, morning? I mean, fantastic question. So after I shot the animal, um, I was like thrilled. I I heard the the arrow hit the tree. I yeah. saw. I the, I felt like I saw the, the, the arrow hit. Yeah, and then. Uh, and then I saw the animal going on a death march. I mean, he was sprinting. Uh, Wade said, put eyes on the animal. So I went up and I, we were trying to go around the tree to put uh, the trees to put eyes on the animal in the valley area. Ended up, there was another bull coming into us. And this was a big bull, but he was one of those really deformed bulls. And uh, I, I ended up going, you know, just looking at him like, man, this is, he was 56 yards. I didn't have my stalker decoy on. I'm moving. He's not even spooking. He doesn't know what's going on in there. He just saw another elk in there, right? Saw the elk decoy. And uh, I pull back 56 yards and I'm like, 
why am I pulling back right now? You know, <laughs> like yeah, I there, just had a, a sweet an, shot. Like, there's an ethical thing here. It's, it's, but it's were, just, yeah. Why did you pull back? Were you concerned that the shot wasn't what you thought it would well, be or, or what yeah. was, what was going through your head? I, you know, this or hunt, is just so much adrenaline. You're just yeah. in confusion. Well, I'm a really good shot. I would say, right. And on this hunt during part a, I had two shots on elk same night and they didn't hit the animal. And I'll, granted that was bone. Uh, you know, my Some bow was jacked issues. up. Right. Uh, but I, that, I think that was like my, yeah. my confidence went down. And then you take right? a third shot take thinking third of shot. animals at 35. Yep. Clean miss. Clean miss. Fourth shot is a brisket shot at brisket 85. Shot. Yep. Exactly. Just got done watching a YouTube video on if you kill an elk with, or if you shoot an elk in one lung, it could live for up to two to three weeks. That's what this guy said on a, uh, on a uh, YouTube video. Okay. Okay. And he's, he's like a, uh, what are you a guide or something? Okay. Okay. And, um, so I'm like, shoot, like there is a very real possibility that my elk that I just shot might not die. <laughs> you know? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> There's elk are That's very terrible. hard to kill. They're hard to kill. They are, man. And so I'm like sitting at this elk. He's 56 but, yards. But killing two with one tag is a very hard thing. <laughs> Do I lose my hunting rights for I don't know how many long, many years? Okay, so you draw back. What happens? Draw back. Draw back. I'm like, honestly, I almost don't want to admit. I'm pretty close to like releasing that arrow on this animal. Like it is a perfect broadside. I'm debating like, I'm like, I can shoot him double lung right now. I can shoot him heart because I know exactly how far away he is. And it's not like I have like time pressure. He's not running, walking away. He's standing one spot, have him ranged, have my pin dialed directly down to 56 yards. And I'm just like, so chill. Like I can shoot and kill this animal easily. I feel like, right. But then I'm like thinking to myself, wait, dude, that animal was, I felt like it was 10 yards away from me. He was 13, 14 yards away from me when I actually shot him. And I saw the arrow hit him. And it went through a tree and it was a double long pastor. It went through a tree on or the not through other a tree, sorry. side. It went through the animal and it hit a tree. Yeah. I am using some amazing FOC arrows. So like they have a lot of penetration on them. Um, all that. Right. What, but, arrow, what arrows, what, what arrows were broadhead just well, for fun? Well, the broadheads that I'm using are the FOC ones. They're uh, grizzly sticks, 200 grain. Okay. And, so you're using uh, a heavy, heavy broadhead. Heavy broadhead. Single bevel? Single bevel. Yep. Okay. Single bevel. And, uh, I think the total arrow weight was 540 or something yeah, very, like that. A very heavy arrow. It's pretty heavy arrow. And I'm only shooting 62 pounds, you know, so it's not like I'm shooting a 70-pound 70, 70 bow. Yeah. Pins are fairly close. They're not, like, yeah. touching. You know? Okay. But anyhow, so that happened, and then I go back. I'm like, okay, you know, put my, put my arrow down. And I go back, it's raining on us. This is all happening within seconds, it feels like. And it actually is, right, within seconds. I get my binoculars out. I look at the side of the hill. I can barely see anything, but I see a brown is down, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm screaming, man. I'm like, all the elk that are still there are yeah. out of there because yeah. I'm screaming. Wade sees him, and we're screaming. He's screaming. Yeah. He, he sh we're shaking each other. We're losing it, man. Well, we, what, what caused you to draw down on the bull? You drew back on a bull. Well, when did the you, second time? When did you change your mind? And like, what what happened there where you didn't release? Well, I just thought that I I just remembered. I calculated in my mind as I was processing if I should shoot the other animal. 
that I killed that animal. Like the like, confidence factor. Yeah, if it if I didn't shoot the animal like directly in the lungs, which would be really hard for me to believe after I shot that because it was only ten yards away from me, or, or actually fourteen yards away from me, then it would have been a gut shot, and which was still a, a lethal, lethal shot. shot. So I'm like, okay, draw draw your bow down, Taylor. Okay. Like, if okay. if you got to find now, the bull, you got to find the bull. All right, now we're talking brown is down. Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. So now I go back and I get my my binoculars out and I see the freaking brown down. And this is this is still the evening. This is still the evening. This yeah. is the same hunt. Yeah. yeah. So you're is, not tracking blood. We're not you, tracking blood, you, you man. You see it. We see it, dude. Yeah. We're freaking out yeah. because like the you know the relief that's involved with that is insane to see yeah. an animal dead. He had to die within seconds. I mean, I, yeah, he I've, was on a full dead yeah. run sprint. Right. Right. Second elk I've ever killed, but I've killed quite a few whitetail and like when you get them good they die in seconds you know yeah. double lung pass through pff, yeah. seconds most of the time right so dude it was oh my gosh it was just incredible we ran down there it was raining wade almost caught hyperthermia it was <laughs> I literally he was did you start uh did you start uh processing and everything like that that evening no no we did not and the reason is uh is we uh, it was it was dark it was cold Wade didn't have his rain gear with him we had camp Wade 12,000 feet up or I mean we were it was probably a thousand feet up from where we were yeah and um and we didn't have our buddy Aaron and uh we wanted oh Aaron, yeah we wanted Absolutely. Aaron to be there with us he was still calling in the wilderness there and so you marked it Marked it, Come marked back him. Forth the next Dude, morning. we took a bunch of pictures. You know, he was still. We actually set him up to where like it'd be really good for pictures the next day, and uh, and we went to sleep. Told Aaron the story. He could not believe it. You know, and uh, he was super excited for us. We took we took a video right after the experience. You know, very excited, and um, yeah. So went after him the next day, got him cut up, which took the entire next that that entire day, and uh, and then from that point there, we. Uh, uh, we put the 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 meat on the llamas and carried our camp with us on our back. Single trip. Single trip, bro. Ten miles. Ten miles. <laughs> That's another <laughs> joke. That is not for the pain of heart. No, I don't dude. care who you are, uh-uh. where you're from. Uh-uh. Not even for those llamas. Oh my gosh, dude, those llamas—they needed some breaks, bro. Absolutely. Yeah. That is yeah. brutal. But that was an all-day thing. But you got it out on day four. Yeah. Well, we we actually ended up stopping uh, uh, five miles in okay. halfway. Yeah. And we we camped out because it was dark. Took one more day. Took one more day. Unbelievable. Yeah. So that's the B story. Give me give me a final takeaway. This is this is a epic. What an epic season. Yeah. Multiple shots, which is right. kind of both like. Good learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of lessons learned. It's yes. sad. It's like you don't ever yeah. want to be the guy that takes multiple shots. It's like right. you want to take oh. one oh. shot. One one thing I do want to say here is when that we met those Tennessee guys, shot that elk in the butt. Dude, this elk was the same elk. This was the butt this shot. This was elk. the butt shot elk. When did you know that? Well, we didn't fully know was it until I sent it? him a picture because we got his fo- we got his phone number. And it was not an arrow in it, but when Wade when we were butchering the animal, Wade was butchering his back uh, or his uh, yeah, hind quarter. Hind quarter. Yeah, and uh, and it was green. It was nasty, and like the only There's thing we wound. could come up with was either the elk got in a really big fight, which could have been ha- could have been possible because he had some pretty broken antlers. I mean, this this animal was a fighter for sure. It really yeah. had a lot of character to him. Or it could have been shot. Dude, I sent a picture to the Tennessee guy, and he the first thing he said, I didn't even mention any of that, and he said the first thing he said was, 
that's the bull that I shot. And I was like, it, I mean, I, it's still honestly hard for me to believe. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, hard. when you saw so many elk oh, in the area. Dude, I mean, there were, had to have been at least, I mean, I know, I feel like uh, we probably saw at least 30 to 50 bulls in, in this area. It was just that bull's time to die. It was his time to die, bro. And I actually ate one of his back roasts, and it was had a hole in it, and it was not very good. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, definitely shot. That's too funny. <clears throat> Is that funny? That's amazing. So. Well, I, I'm excited. Uh, Taylor, thanks for sharing your story with us. Mm -hmm. I love uh, everything from learning in the red zone to using the decoys, how you would use them again in the future, mm -hmm. uh, the use of llamas yep. and the ease of llamas, mm -hmm. like that both on the, like imagine doing that pack out with just you and Wade, mm -hmm. a 10 mile pack oh, out. Oh my gosh. I mean, that would have, that would have added maybe two days to that trip dude as much as my body was trashed with wade seven miles out that would be pretty tough it's unbelievable so, yeah and we would do it obviously and i told wade i said i would still be killing this elk right now and i would still be going this to this spot if we did not have these llamas but i'm very happy we did awesome so. Awesome. Well, we're going to share some of the story with some of your hunt logs on the community page so people can kind of see a little bit more. Um, we will also, uh, we'll also be recording, I guess, you know, this is the B story, but we're going to record the mm. A story, which is going to be Wade's hunt mm. and the pre llama drama of yes. Wade's hunt. <laughs> oh, yes. You guys are in for a treat. Okay. Well, brother, thank you for joining us on the hunt league podcast. Uh, until part B. Mm. Thank you, Taylor Hicks, for sharing your story. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. If you've not downloaded the Hunt League app yet, head on over to the App Store or Google Play and create your free account. Special thanks to our incredible league sponsors. Vortex Optics has been an unbelievable partner, standing behind you in every product they make with their unconditional lifetime warranty. If you're looking for an incredible adventure next fall, join the On Point Experience League for your shot at a filmed Oregon bear hunt in the fall of 2023 with Garrett Weaver, Vortex Optics, Bear Hunting Magazine, and Huntley. There's also a giant prize package from Huxworks, XO, First Light, Argali, Remington, Axle Hearing Protection, Western Fly Covers, WorkSharp, Pyro Putty, and Velvet Antler Technologies. Check out this league and more inside the Huntley Gap.